0: Welcome to the Houston Healthcare Initiative Podcast. My name is Harold Nickel. Now while we were on a brief break for the summer, ads about something called government rate setting started running on radio and television. These got the attention of a lot of people, including those who cover the healthcare business in the media. Not knowing the source of these ads and who's paying for them, what positions are they advocating, and should we all be concerned or at least interested? Now, here to help us make sense of this is respected neurologist and the founder of the Houston Healthcare Initiative co-op, Dr. Stephen Goldstein. And Dr. Goldstein, I guess it's not unusual for the healthcare industry to advocate different public positions. While I know you like me and probably everybody listening has heard or seen these ads, it's a really aggressive campaign, don't you think?
1: It is. The ads are running all over the country, but are tailored to individual states and even cities. The ads that run here in Texas and the Houston area mention Senator Cornyn, Senator Cruz, and local congressmen. But the same ads is running in places like Alabama. The only difference between the ads are the names of the senator, and the woman on the screen encouraged viewers to call along with that senator's district office phone number. When doing my homework, getting ready to talk with you today, I learned that this group has made seven-figure advertising purchases in seven states and six-figure buys in six more states. They all warn against rate setting, and the group's website urges listers to contact lawmakers to oppose and stand up to the insurance industry and demand they pay their fair share. Why would anyone take action based on this ad is beyond me? All they do is call race-sizing socialist and badmouth the insurance industry without explaining the issue.
0: Okay, so this is an advocacy group with, with really deep pockets, but I have a hard time understanding, what are they advocating? Well,
1: I think they're advocating the status quo. They wish to continue the same sweet deals the hospitals have made with insurance companies as well as with radiology, pathology, and emergency room physicians' groups. The solution they are railing against is government setting prices.
0: It's a deal where um, I've never completely understood how anybody could receive a surprise bill, or what they characterize as a surprise bill, if they went to a hospital or emergency room that was part of the insurance company's network. How does this happen?
1: Well, the hospital or emergency room you visit may be part of your insurance network, but that does not mean that the doctor who treats you is. The ER doctor, radiologist, anesthesiologist, pathologist, and consulting specialist may or may not be in your insurance network. Other surprises occur when you receive a detailed bill for charges such as IVs, aspirin, or other medications, blood tests, and x-rays that you cannot verify that you even received a CPA would have trouble understanding the bill. For these surprise bills, patients have less interest as the insurance company pays and the patient just pays copays and deductibles.
0: If someone is brought, though, to an emergency room and they're unconscious or they're ignorant of the practice that you just described, they can just get hammered by charges like these. But how likely is this? Is it a rare occurrence?
1: Not hardly. On average, 16% of inpatient stays and 18% of emergency room visits left the patients with at least one out-of-network charge. Most of these came from doctors offering treatments at the hospital that was out-of-network, even when the patient chose an in-network hospital. This is according to researchers from the Kaiser Family Foundation. But the news gets worse because the same study found that when a patient is admitted to the hospital from the emergency room, there's even a higher likelihood of an out-of-network charge. As many as 26% of admissions from the emergency room resulted in a surprise medical bill. The insurance patients are obligated to go to the hospital or emergency room the insurance company designates, but those same hospitals are not obliged to hire doctors or staff that are part of their network.
0: With all the rules and regulations patients and doctors have to follow, how is how is this even allowed?
1: In my view, all the complicated rules associated with managed care can never solve these problems. The whole idea of an in-work, in-network, and out-of-network pricing is crazy. Anytime you make up artificial rules, patients, doctors, hospitals, insurance companies will find a way around it. The only way to solve these problems is to stop the secret deals that hospitals make with insurance companies. Hospitals need transparent pricing for services that include all physician costs, drug costs, radiology and pathology costs. Hospitals need to do the negotiating with physicians, not insurance companies. The prices charged to the patient should be all-inclusive and the same for everyone regardless of their insurance or lack thereof and should be available to the hospital emergency room website. The charges might be based on procedures such as cardiac catheterization or appendectomy or based on a complaint, for instance, uh, uh, chest pain or stroke. A common scale could be developed that determines the severity of an illness using a three- or four-level scale. The patients require hospital admission, the ER charges can be rolled into the hospital bill. Unfortunately, such solutions are not yet part of the national conversation. Any legislation now being proposed is equivalent to rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic.
0: Yeah, it's um, the legislation that is being considered at several state and at the federal level would make surprise billing against the law. Um, How would that work?
1: Well, first, the good news is is that both parties agree that the surprise bill practice should be eliminated. One piece of proposed legislation calls for health insurers to treat out-of-network emergency care as in-network for their enrollees' cost-sharing and out-of-pocket obligations. This way, patients wouldn't have to pay any more for receiving emergency treatment at an out-of-network hospital than they would at an in-network one. Plus, a healthcare provider would be prohibited to send a bill charging them whatever the difference is between the price set for the service by the provider and the price the health insurer is willing to pay.
0: Okay, so how does anyone know how to assess a price for an out-of-network provider in place of the current surprise practice
1: good question they don't some plans have featured arbitration which would require an insurer and a provider to negotiate a price that's an approach favored by emergency room doctors that has been opposed by the White House and then the house bill opts instead to use a local market price however that is determined the only known way to determine the market price is the law of supply and demand
0: okay what could possibly go wrong then if, if this measure or others like it were ever adopted?
1: I think it's better to ask what could go right. The groups representing the doctor's company, such as heads funds who own physician staffing companies, want things to say the same. Key to their high, profit, high profitable business strategy is not to participate in the insurance network and allowing them to send surprise bills and charge patients the price they set with few limitations. If measures are adopted to avoid the surprise bill, insurance premiums will rise. Either way, patients will end up paying the freight. If doctor fees are artificially lowered too much, physicians will be attracted to out-of-hospital work, and there will be a shortage of doctors in the hospital. The only way to ensure an adequate supply of doctors at the lowest possible price is the law of supply and demand. Physicians could negotiate fees with the hospital, and they would try to get the highest possible fees. The hospital would try to pay the lowest possible fees.
0: This is a really complex issue with people's lives literally at stake. What do, you, what do you think is going to happen?
1: As I previously stated, insurance premiums will rise to some degree. Physicians' fees of the out-of-network doctors will drop to some degree. Ideally, everything will work out, and we will avoid the doctor shortages in the hospital. Unfortunately, things are seldom ideal.
0: Now, it's after Labor Day as we uh, record this podcast, and Congress is now back in session. Are we going to have an answer to uh, any of this by the end of September?
1: Maybe, but remember, there is the prospect of a government shutdown that was really not resolved earlier this year. So the health care legislation may be pushed aside so lawmakers can work to prevent the government shutting
0: down. Well, there are so many moving parts associated with this and so many private interests with really deep pockets involved on all sides of this issue. It's just really hard to make sense of all of it. And I know that everyone listening appreciates Dr. Goldstein's explanations. There are other reasonably priced alternatives to traditional health insurance like co-ops. Now for listeners who are in the Houston area, you can look to the Houston Health Care Initiative co-op for assistance, and you can find them at www.houstonhealthcareinitiative.org. Now there are other similarly organized co-ops throughout the U.S. that are really easy to find online, and I want to encourage you to do so if you need an alternative to the traditional health insurance. Now as always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please tell your friends about us and come back next time for another edition of the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast.